And welcome back to another episode of Podcast Quincy's City View with Mayor Tom Koch. I'm Mark Carey, as media director, and we are in the mayor's office overlooking the beautiful Hancock Adams Common on an incredibly beautiful spring day. Welcome, Mayor. Beautiful out there, absolutely. Another few days, the fountain will be up and running. I know. I saw them doing a test to it this morning. I figured, oh, is, is it high tide again? Okay, <laughs> I'll leave that alone. What we're going to talk about today is at the forefront of the issues of the day in Quincy. And actually, we did an episode on this last time, which was about a couple of weeks ago. We didn't do one last week. But, Mayor, the Abigail Adams, I guess, issue has been out there and people have all kinds of opinions on it. So we did talk about this the last time, but... Since then, a lot has been done. So you might want to just start by giving the history again of what this is all yeah, about. Yeah, just just quickly. We had, you know, the partnership, Quincy Partnership, which Eddie Cohen has chaired, uh, guys like Bob Curry, Mark Burtman, myself, Timmy Cahill, uh, Marion Peake, Maureen Rogers, a number of people served on the partnership. And it was a great organization, and they did a number of wonderful projects, uplighting historic buildings, the Welcome to Quincy signs, and then they, they're also involved in the fountain at uh, Marymount Park. But one of the special ones was the commissioning of two statues, one of John Adams and one of Abigail with young John Quincy by her side by Lloyd Lilly, who was a Massachusetts guy who had done Red Arabac over in uh, the Daniel Hall area. So uh, Lloyd Lilly, I think, has passed since then, but he, he certainly has left his mark with some of his great work. So those were both in Quincy Center here on opposite side of the street when Hancock Street went through between Town Hall and the First Parish Church. A lot has changed since then. And the creation of the new Hancock Adams Common with the new beautifully new promenade, a very large feature with a lot of elements. I know at the start we mentioned the water fountain, beautiful water elements out here, a number of aspects to it. So we engaged Sergey after a national call for artists. We had 78 respond. There was a group, Ed Fitzgerald was involved, and Jim Edwards and a number of folks in the art community that chose Sergey to be the sculptor of both John Adams and John Hancock. And in, the, in that time period, we also had put in that RFP that a, a statue of Abigail and John Quincy would also be done at some point. So we're actually still using our original RFP, RFQ on Sergey to do these other projects. These statues, if you've been in Hancock Adams Comet, are much larger. They're called what's called heroic size. They were bigger than life, these these folks, and they present well in a large park setting like this. So, so at the time, the partnership, uh, we offered to place those two smaller statues in a kind of a garden within the park, and the partnership opted not to do that. They pursued, with the park service, placing the statues at the birthplaces, and after three or four years of really not getting any traction with anybody, the Park Service, they do good work. They have a great mission, but they're very bureaucratic. So getting any decision made up the chain, they add COVID into it. It was just impossible. So Mr. Cohen reached out, and we talked about Marymount Park, which is an, another Adams legacy park because the Charles Francis Adams left it to the city back in 1885. Uh, Mr. Cohen met with uh, Commissioner David Murphy and found a place in Marymount Park. Now, in the meantime, we hadn't forgotten about Abigail. What time has passed since we dedicated the common for sure, and then we try. I know we talked about last week not to beat a dead horse, but you know we we were kind of zeroing in on the performing arts center for the first ladies, which originally was going to be right here at Quincy Center, but because of the vibration and from the tracks and the trains engineers that saw thought that we should get away from the tracks, so we're we're looking at down the street the old Messina lot in Quincy Center for that. So fast forward, I know a number of folks were concerned 
two two ways. One is where the statues were going, uh, and again, they were owned by the partnership, not the city of Quincy. Say that so again. <laughs> that, that's correct. The Abigail yeah. and Little John and John Adams are owned by the partnership. They they were given to the city for display, but technically they they're the owner of them. So and they by had the to way, say. the size of those, as you had mentioned just a second ago, about these heroic size statues that are at the Hancock Adams coming now, right. are completely different from the size of the other ones, the Lloyd Lilly statues. They they're they're much larger, different type. As as they said in the art world, they call it heroic in size. And these individuals certainly were heroic, you know. At any rate, fast forward, a lot of discussion in the paper, uh, letters to the editor, and then there was a there was an informational protest in front of Sound Town Hall. And from that, some of the ladies reached out to me. We had a meeting this past week. Some great people that I have great respect for. Former school committee member Linda Stice, uh, Linda Monaco, a firm former uh, educator, uh, current school committee member Emily Lebo, and others we met. And they made their case. And um, you know what? Uh, they made a great case that though I think they believe that Abigail, we, there was no intention to slight Abigail, and there wasn't, but she really belongs in part of the Hancock Adams Common because of her contributions to the nation. And I use the word, you know, we hear about founding fathers. She was a founding mother. There's no question about it. I'm a big fan of Abigail. I have a daughter named Abigail. I was going to say, that's <laughs> I'm right. I'm a big fan of her too. But her contributions were tremendous. She was so far ahead of her time, as was her husband, on freedoms and rights and privileges and certainly had written to John about, remember the ladies, because men would be tyrants if if not un, you know unchecked. I think they made a good argument, and I made the decision. Uh, we've talked to Sergey, the sculptor. We've shifted gears. We've pivoted. We are now, um, I've engaged Halverson, which they're already kind of working with us anyway, Halverson Landscape Design. They're the ones that originally designed the Hancock Adams Common. Rich Houghton, who works for them, is a Quincy kid, so he knows the city, knows the history. And we are now pivoting, and we are locating a a park, I suppose, within the park right here at the Hancock Adams Common to honor Abigail. And we'll deal with President John Quincy later. This would be specifically to Abigail. I mean, she deserves her own statue uh, with her contributions to the formation of this nation. She was a partner to John Adams, not just a spouse. She was truly a partner to him. And in all of his years of public service, many of them overseas, she was home handling domestic affairs, running the farm, raising the children, educating the children, and all the while having correspondence with John, letting him know her thoughts on certainly the freedoms they were discussing in the development of this great republic. So she's a giant in our history. Having said all that, I've said enough. Well, we've agreed. We've agreed with the ladies that she belongs here. We've we've shifted gears, and we are now planning, uh, hopefully midfall, for the dedication of a brand new Abigail Adams statue in the Hancock Adams Common. In that sort of heroic style, in, in the, that in same large heroic style. style. If we put a smaller statue in, I would be hearing criticism, rightfully so. Why is she smaller in statue than? Hancock or Adams. So I, I think that has to be in the in the similar size scale, if you will, for this park as well as for, in relation to the other statues. She was no less than John, so her size should be no less than John. I think it's going to be work out pretty well. I really do. This is a really great update on this Abigail Adams issue in a new, brand new Abigail Adams statue coming to Hancock Adams Common, hopefully by the fall is what we're looking for, which is actually lightning fast. Yeah. And Sergey's already working on it. The question is, will all of the 
elements that we'll need in the park, like the granite and other pieces, will they be available supply chain-wise? So that's what we're going through right now, that exercise with Rich Houghton and Halverson to make sure that this section of the park is of the same quality as the rest of the park, and that does take certain materials that come from outside of Massachusetts. And Sergey is a world-renowned sculptor. Correct. And he did the Abigail, he did the Hancock and the Adams statues in Hancock Adams Common, along with the generals at the General's Bridge and Park. Well, he did the Dwight D. Eisenhower and statues in Washington, D.C. I mean, they, that project was planned for years, and they went through a number of exercises to pick artists and sculptors, and, and he was chosen. And he absolutely is in the, the top tier of world-renowned sculptors, for sure. He's a great man, a good artist. He's got two daughters, so he's loving this project. <laughs> yeah. He's a big believer in Abigail as well, so... So good stuff, good stuff. It's being made in Italy as we speak right now. So thank you, Mayor, being for the crafted, update. Yes. Being crafted, uh, yes. It's in the clay form right now. He's Which is quickly. amazing. It starts with clay for about 10 inches high, then it goes to a image of about three three feet high, and then they go to the full-size figure, and then they do, again, f- finalize the clay aspects of it. Then there's a mold made, and then, of course, eventually it's cast in bronze. It's quite a process. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's, a, he's an interesting guy for sure, but he's so talented. I mean, when I saw just in three or four days some images he, he sent to me yeah. already in clay, it's mm-hmm. like, wow. I mean, I, know. I, I couldn't do that in 10 years. I think the, the contingent of folks that were, that were asking for this were, were very pleased, I think, with what was happening. Well, I think they were pleased. I, I don't know if they thought that... Um, you know, there'd be an argument or that I would I would not move from my other original position. But it was a very productive meeting. We had a good discussion, and they made good points. And and, and I said at the end of the meeting, you're right. Well, we shifted gears, and, and uh, we're going to do the right thing here. So let's move on, shall we? Let's talk a little bit about the DPW, just a couple of updates on potholes and a couple of things that are happening next week. Well, it's, it's that time of year, as as we know. We, just, we mentioned at the start of the show that spring has sprung. It's beautiful out there. We're seeing things green up and... Obviously, it's nice to see things budding and popping. You see the daffodils at Peacefield. It's always a great sign. Okami cherries are out. Uh, you see tulips popping everywhere. So Pasithias, they're, they're the typical yellow bush you see every year. But it's a great time of year. But with that comes the aftermath of a winter. And some of that is some of the potholes that we're dealing with across the city. It's worse than a normal winter because we had so many different events of freezing and thawing. What happens is when, when the, the ground obviously freezes and then it thaws and you get rain, water gets in, it freezes again, it thaws again, and then the, the potholes pop. It Actually, the water gets under the pavement and it pops the pavement and creates some, some difficult uh, challenges on the roadway. So we have spent a lot of time since the end of the winter. Now, during the winter, the bad ones we go in and we fill with, at the minimum, cold patch. But cold patch is temporary. You always want to use a hot mix. So the crews do a nice job cleaning out the hole, sometimes squaring it off and putting the emulsion in and the hot mix, which then it adheres and sticks much, much better. It's a more permanent patch, if you will. So we're ongoing with that with our public works crews. They're doing a great, good job. I think we have at least one private contractor in augmenting our crews on the main thoroughfares. And you know, I encourage people to call the public works department, You know, reach out to our offices as well, 617-376. 1990 at any time for any issue. And we certainly would get that added to the pothole list for certain. Also, it's that time of year where we do hydrant flushing. Now, that's that's people should have been notified by now. It's been in the papers and all. But for example, when they're doing the flushing in your neighborhood, you might get some brown water for a period of time. We just tell you to 
to run the water for a little bit till it goes away. But essentially, this is good for the water system. It gets out the all the sediment that starts to build up in pipes. So it literally flushes them out when they open the hydrants. Um, but with that comes, there's no, there's no danger. There's no toxicity to this or anything. Uh, obviously, you don't want to wash your clothes, have the mach- washing machine on when the water may be brown. That's something you don't want to do. Uh, however, it doesn't last. Flush it with, with cold water. You are notified. You're neighborhood when it's being done. You'll see them out there opening the hydrants and closing them. It's just an important part of maintaining our water system, which has hundreds of miles of pipes across the city to serve the people of the city. So that's coming up. It's starting this, this coming week, I believe. So if you have any questions on that, again, you can reach out to us. We can follow up with you on that. Cleaner Greener, that's an annual oh. event for the city, the first Saturday in May every year for the last, oh, could be in the year 30 or so right now. Yeah. Started under Mayor Jim Sheets, was continued under Mayor Bill Phelan, and certainly we've continued it as well. And we've got cleanup sites all across the city, we're so happy that so many people respond. There's thousands of volunteer hours that go on that day to help spruce mm. up the city. For example, if some people live along the ocean, so they'll clean up the beach. We send equipment down and we pick up the debris from the winter that gets floated in. Sometimes pieces of docks, sometimes it's just driftwood. Whatever it may be, we get the beaches all, all cleaned up. Then, of course, the parks and playgrounds. And then around the schools, a lot of the schools, particularly the elementary schools, they organize with the kids, the parents, PTOs, you know, putting mulch in, planting flowers. Uh, it's a great lift for the city. Again, it's literally hundreds of hours, probably thousands of hours of, of man hours that we, you know, we don't have to do as a city that we'd never get to do all of those kinds of things. So grateful to all the community organization group and groups that get involved in it. It definitely has an impact. And I got to tell you, the city is far cleaner today. It's maintained in a better way. We went through some, the early years, we had several weeks of cleaner greener. We did a ward at a time, then it was two wards at a time. We were pulling out old cars, mattresses, refrigerators out of some of our parks. It was, it was brutal, yeah, it's the, amazing. the stuff that went on. Now it's more of the basic stuff that, you know, as I said, along the beaches, stuff floats in. Parks and playgrounds, you have ignorant people that maybe... Uh, litter or, th- or break a bottle or, you know, you get that kind of stuff. Right now, the biggest uh, pollution issue is masks. Please encourage people to dispose of them properly. We still were finding them everywhere mm. around the city and including the parks and around the schools. So that's a big day. We're also beginning the construction season. I mean, again, people don't think about what's under the ground until you have a problem. You go to turn your water on, it doesn't come out, or you go to flush your toilet and it's backing up. But the underground systems that the DPW works, uh, workers oversee is incredible. Um, Commissioner Al Grazioso and city engineer Paul Costello and the entire team, Larry Prenderville, the superintendent. I could go on and on with the, with the men and women that served down there. Pretty, pretty dedicated folks. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of attention in the world goes to schools and education, police and fire, emergency responses. But DPW is kind of the backbone of everything. You know, they, they keep the roads going, they keep the water mains going, the sewer lines going. So all of those things. Now, we've, we've thank you to the city council. They have supported our our initiative, which is to do $100 million worth of roadways in the coming years, and we're well underway. So you, certain streets, you'll get a notification. And again, those folks that uh, may be wondering where they are on the list, you can reach out to Public Works Department. They have, we actually have in a in matrix, if you will, a chart that shows the the age of the street, the condition of the streets, all done by an outside engineering company. So we kind of follow that. So that's kind of the roadmap. 
but we, you also mix into that, okay, what do we got coming up for water main work, soil work, and gas main work. Now, the gas main work is done by National Grid and their contractors. However, we coordinate with them. The idea is to get the old yeah. stuff replaced and then do the road over so you don't have to touch the road for a long, long time. Mm. That's, and that's been our plan. We're also, for the most part, putting in concrete sidewalks, granite curbs, where and when we can, which has such a big difference in appearance, aesthetics, and the concrete cement sidewalks last longer. Now, sometimes you get into very narrow streets in certain parts of our city where it's it's almost impossible to do the granite curbing because the cars are literally kind of parked on the berm. So it's difficult in some streets. But for the most part, we've gone to a, a policy a number of years ago where we do granite curb concrete sidewalks along with the rebuilt roadway after the soil work's been done, after the water's been done, after the gas mains have been done. So you're not digging the street up. There's nothing more frustrating to a resident when you see a street done two years later, someone's coming in and, and digging it up. Now, I can't say that won't happen because if there's a gas leak or something, you know, that's what happens. You got to do it, deal with it. But for the most part, I, th I think it makes good policy on a public work side to do it this way. And uh, the team's doing a great job down there. We got great contractors. Uh, I tell you, Mark, one of the things that proved very helpful to us during COVID, we didn't stop both private construction and public construction. And we got new bidders, new contractors in our city that had never bid here before. We're getting better pricing. We're getting better productivity and better quality out of it. So that was a, uh, we saved money, by the way, during the COVID because of many places were not doing it. Contractors for those cities that were had were shoppled their pencil. They just need to keep their crews busy, uh, and uh, we did very well with that. So, built some good relationships, and I'm, I get notes quite a bit on some of the crews from contractors that are out there. The, the crews know how to talk to people, listen to people, and adjust where they need to adjust. Of course, all being overseen by our engineering department at Public Works. So, good stuff. I know that folks get frustrated. How about my street? I saw the street over there done. Why not my street? There is a plan for the first time in a long, long time. It's not like we're just going up and down to paint the streets black, which was kind yeah. of the old tradition. Yeah. Half-inch yeah. overlay. It looks good for a year, and then boom, it's all cracking again. Which left this decades is, this and is decades long -term. of, of uh, road work that need to be done. Yeah. That's correct. That's correct. There well, is, a, there is a, a plan. There is engineering and science and data built into that plan that, that creates the, the roadmap, if you will, going forward. Now, there's always exceptions because things happen when you don't expect something to happen. If a water main breaks and blows out a street, you know, we got to go in and fix that street. But for the most part, it's a solid plan. So you'll be seeing a lot of crews out there in the coming weeks for water main work, soil work, <laughs> and road work. And great update uh, from the DPW and what's happening. And if you do have any tiger traps, I mean potholes in your neighborhood, please give us a call. You can also call the mayor's office at 617-376-1990, as he just mentioned. And finally, Mayor, uh, for many folks in the city of Quincy, we have probably one of the oldest, I, I believe, Islamic center in... New England. In one New of England. the oldest in New England. One of the oldest in New England. Uh, Ramad we are in the middle of Ramadan. I believe Ramadan started in the 1st of April and goes to the 1st of May. The time of and, atonement, yep. Yeah, and then we also we also have um, Passover beginning in a couple of days on the 15th. Um, that'll be this week at some point. And that goes to the 23rd. Passover, of course, we celebrate the exodus of the Jews from Egypt, from slavery. We used to have three Jewish synagogues, temples in our city, We've had the we had the mosque we had uh, and they're all closed and have consolidated with others, but we still obviously have a a um, pretty good sized Jewish residence in our city that I I was at 
a temple over in Milton just a few weeks ago. Mm. It was welcome and spoke and had a great conversation. So certainly for our Muslim brothers and sisters, we wish them a very holy Ramadan season. To our Jewish brothers and sisters, we wish them a very happy Passover season. And as a diverse city, we have many houses of worship, also uh, Christian churches, and you and I are both Catholic, so we celebrate Holy Week this week and Easter Sunday coming up this um, this Sunday. Good Friday, well, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Saturday, and then, of course, I'm not Sunday. sure if the Greek Orthodox lines up with us this year, but I know in past years that they're like a week behind. Mm-hmm. I know Nick Varanis used to work for the city, used to love that because he said all the cards and the candy would be cheaper after the, after we <laughs> oh, celebrate after Easter. our Easter <laughs> to get ready for his. Oh, that's great. But at any rate, uh, it, it's a reminder that um, you know we're all something much much bigger and greater than ourselves. That you know we get caught up in the day to day world and in a city running a city of, of the bricks and the mortar. We just talked about that, right? We talk about roadways, and mm. but really, what keeps us together is really those common values we share as one human family. So whatever that faith that we exercise or practice. It's an incredible right and privilege, uh, going back to what we first talked about. When John Adams and the group of people came together to create this great republic, it granted the freedom to practice your faith in any way you want. That's one of those things in this country that's unique around the world. Again, so those folks that are in, in individual religions that we just talked about, you know, we wish you happy and um, good days. I mean, in some cases, certainly with Easter, with us, Mark, I know it's... It's about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. It's also a reminder about new beginnings. Spring yeah. is new beginnings. Easter's new beginnings. We're just finishing up our Lent, which is also atonement, like a, a Ramadan is for a Muslim. So whatever your faith background is, that you know, we continue to pray for peace, peace in the world, particularly in the in the Ukraine. Obviously, I had an t- opportunity to speak with Congressman Lynch last night in his visit to Poland and seeing the refugees and what's going on over there and. You know, these, these people aren't living in big camps. People are opening their homes to the refugees. People have taken in families to cape for them. Men and women, of course. I mean, uh, women and children, of course, because the men are, are back fighting, uh, defending their democracy. I can't emphasize enough. We are so spoiled in this country in so many ways. We, we get into these arguments and debates about some of the most trite and ridiculous issues. You see in reality what's going on over there. Very basic fighting for their basic freedoms because they were yep. invaded by Putin and Russia. So I just encourage whatever your faith background is, please get on your knees and say an extra prayer for peace this weekend. And that's a good place to end this on. We wish everybody um, a very blessed Ramadan, a very happy Passover, and a happy Easter, everyone. And I think that's a good note to end. What do you think, Mayor? Sounds good. All right, we'll see you next time on City View with Mayor Tom Coates.